Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura, and we thought we were trying to debate what to do this time, and we've done a few serious ones, so we thought something fun, and so I came up with this idea of Morgan came up with five hockey questions, and I came up with five baseball questions, and we, neither of us know what the other questions are, and they can be about really anything, so it's kind of a surprise. You get to hear us on the fly react to stuff, so I thought that would be kind of fun. So Morgan, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first. I feel like my questions are really dumb, only because at first I was like, oh, this could be easy, five questions, and then like I sat down to write my questions, and I was like, I have nothing. Mine are a little all over the map, so okay. fair morning. Mine too. Um, I was trying to think of like questions like I would want someone to ask me, kind yeah. of, um, without sounding conceited. <laughs> um, okay, so my first question it's kind of like a weird question, but favorite weirdest roster or season? So, like, if the Penguins had, like, a super weird roster, but it was, like, a fun season? Yeah. So, okay. Let me think about. So, or this is just, not, like, a weird season. This, I don't think it's going to be, I, I can't say about this one. This one could end up being it. 2013 was really odd, and the the ran, most random fact about it is it's technically the 2012-2013 NHL season that was played exclusively in 2013. There were no games in, in 2012 for the 2012-2013, and that was because of the lockout. And so a lot of players actually played in Europe. And so that um, – but then when the lockout ended, they came over. It was this whole thing. And then roster – I don't have a specific roster, but random fact for you – I think I'm going to mention this on another podcast. I don't know. So Ryan O'Reilly currently plays for the St. Louis Blues. He's been around the league for a while. So I believe he started out with the Colorado Avalanche and then handed up on the Sabres who then traded him to St. Louis. But in between when he was in the Colorado Avalanche, he was an RFA and had, was eligible to sign an offer sheet, similar to like Sebastian Ajo signed an offer sheet with the Canadians, which is where you sign with the team and that your team that owns your rights can either match the offer and it will be the exact same terms and everything, and then they get you, or if they elect not to match, then the team that signed you to it got it. But Ryan O'Reilly, because of how it all worked out, I think it was like coming off the lockout year maybe, and he hadn't played in the NHL in the lockout year and so the Calgary Flames signed him to an offer sheet because of but because of the rules with international play and like coming back from playing internationally if he would if Colorado didn't match it which Colorado did end up matching it but if they hadn't he would have had to pass through waivers where anyone could pick him up off of waivers so then the Flames would have had to give all these compensatory picks which is what you have to do when you sign an offer sheet is give picks to the team that you got them from. So they would have had to give all of these picks to Colorado and then some random team would have just gotten Ryan O'Reilly. And they said they knew that, but they definitely did not know that because why would you sign that? <laughs> yeah. It was hilarious. So <laughs> random Twitter people knew the NHL salary cap rules better than an actual NHL team. I love little fun facts like that. Those are like my favorite one, things. One more. I, I just thought of another one. I'm sorry. I'm going to go off on all these no, random fine. things I know. So there was a, a pretty famous person on Reddit 
in um, the, I think it is Gal a Galaxy something or other, who's a big Flames fan, and he's a big GIF clip creator. He doesn't just make GIFs, but he makes like highlights and stuff, uh, both in the Flames Reddit and in the Hockey Reddit. And when the Flames had someone named Paul Byron playing for them, who's super fast, but like, he's one of those really fast guys who just doesn't have the finesse. And so he made this YouTube video kind of as out of exasperation of like all of the breakaways that Paul Byron did not finish on. And apparently the Montreal Canadian saw that YouTube video and used that as an impetus to pick up Paul Byron off of waivers. And he has since played very well for the uh, Canadians and he signed like uh, an extension and he makes $4 million a year. Uh, which off of waivers, making that much money off of come, uh, after coming off waivers is pretty amazing. And so the Montreal Canadiens Reddit gave, that. first of all, they worked together to get this guy a Paul Byron jersey. And then they also have a little tag on his user accounts whenever he posts, and it says assistant GM, which I think is amazing. <laughs> That's great. And then in Hockey Reddit, his, his like little tag says Paul Byron's BFF. So <laughs> there's your random roster, some random roster facts I know. So that was that was fun. That was a good first <laughs> question. I had fun with that one. Um, so this one is a little more of like a rule, like what would you prefer kind of thing. So I've heard a lot of talk about potentially using like some kind of computer system to call balls and strikes and so would you rather that or would you rather keep ops um so every time someone talks about robo umps like uh, initially like my first thought was like actual robots and like like years ago when people first started talking I'm like why would you want a like actual robots like it took so long for my brain to be like oh like there wouldn't be anyone physically replacing the ump um, I, if, I think having, like, the computer call it would be better because it'd be more accurate because, I mean, there are some umps that do very well at calling balls and strikes, and then there are others that are just god-awful and inconsistent. Like, they can be, like, umps that will call a ball that's out of the strike zone to strike it sucks but if they're doing it consistently throughout the game then it's not that big of a deal but there are so many umps that will constantly change it throughout the game and that's frustrating um I part of me is kind of like oh that's gonna like change the game but I mean the ump would still be there because the ump is the one that like he would have an earpiece and he's just saying what the computer, I guess the ump that would be in the, like, replay room type thing, um, I think it would be weird at first, just because there would have to be some kind of a delay in, um, the computer figuring out, and then it being relayed to the ump, and then the ump relaying it to the pitcher and the batter, but I think it'd be interesting. I think, for some reason, I was thinking they were starting that in, like, low A, like, working that out, that's usually whenever they were going to do pitching clocks and stuff like that, they usually started in, like, low A baseball and then around the minors. Um, and I want to say they did do computer 
signage or uh, ball strikes call. I want to say they did that last season, but maybe I'm totally thinking of something else. I feel like there was somewhere that they did it. Um, I think it would be really cool to uh, um, have just like one game where they compare the two, where they have an ump calling it and checking the accuracy. Um, that would be fascinating. The only thing I would be curious to know, and maybe it's a stupid inquiry because they show balls and strikes on like MLB app, is like technically the strike zone kind of changes based on the height of the person. So it'll be interesting like how the computer is like calibrated or whatever, batter by batter. Um, and also can they, can would the manager be able to like argue with the call? Like that's one really? thing. I'm like, you you would take you take away some of I know the arguments with um sort like few and far between, but like you would be taking away that aspect. Which I guess if if managers are okay with computers calling it, they wouldn't have any reason to argue. But I I think it'd be interesting. I feel like it's gonna be if like a long time until MLB actually has it though, because they're very slow. My whole thought with it when I was thinking about it is kind of with your first point about like the consistent um I, I you never really hear people complain about if like an um consistently calls a high strike zone or something like that if it's the whole game he does that most players like that because it's like like they're not necessarily married to the exact strike zone it's just like I want a clear like, I want to know what's a strike in the game. Yeah, like, if they're, if an ump is, like, consistently calling a ball outside a strike, as long as they're doing that the whole game, like, batters can adjust to that and pitchers can adjust to it and it's fine. But, like, I, and I guess that would kind of be the same thing with the computers because you would just adjust to whatever the computer has as the strike zone. Um, but it would be kind of interesting because there are some umps that are, like, really good. But then I wonder what happens to, like, the umps that are awful. Because you always know the names of the awful umps. So what happens to them? Yeah. Are they, do they still want to be an ump? Because I know in, like, throughout a series, they rotate. So the home plate ump isn't the home plate ump in back-to-back -back games. But it would be interesting to see how, how um, the umpires feel about robots essentially taking their job. Because because you think <laughs> that combined with all of the replay, and I know some things don't get replayed, but with mm -hmm. all of the replays that do happen, there's very little an ump is actually doing. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, if you change it to computers, the only thing the home play ump is good for is to relay what that pitch was, which essentially you could, like, just replace him with a sign that flashes strike or ball. <laughs> and I mean, he does call like the plays at the plate and then the yeah. team would have to decide whether to challenge or not. But if it's obviously wrong, yeah. they're going to challenge. And anything after the seventh, if it's anything close, they can ask and they yeah. always let them. Oh, that's, I have problems with that rule. <laughs> Well, because then what I've noticed in the games that I've watched is then if you're, like, in the sixth, you end up just challenging something that's close in the sixth. If you still have a challenge, it's like, oh, well, well, we'll get to the seventh and we'll just have it unlimited anyways. But, the, like, the thing that I have an issue with is they're always, like, after the seventh. You can, you can ask, but it's up to the umpire's discretion if they want to challenge it. 
they always let them challenge yeah, it. Yeah, so it's like you're not even asking. You're just exactly. basically like telling. Like, and hey. It's, it's every time. I don't think I've ever seen an ump refuse to just look at it. Well, because no ump wants to be the one who's like, no, and then they were wrong. Yeah. And then that's why I'm like, just give, them two, just give them two challenges. But even then, at the same time, if you challenge and then get it wrong, I don't even remember. it. baseball feels like it was 10 years ago that I last watched mm-hmm. it. But technically, if you, if you get it right, I think you do technically get a second you keep you basically keep your challenge until you lose it yeah and then if you lose it that's what I don't like is that you lose it but then you can still ask so Mm -hmm. what's the point I like kind of what tennis does because tennis has had challenge for basically the longest Mm -hmm. where and I get it's different in baseball because there's nine innings and in tennis it's either best of three or best of five for their sets and I think you get like one or two challenges per set and they don't carry over between sets. And then if you lose a challenge in a set, then you lose the ability. So you have to be careful with what you do challenge or not yeah. challenge. But then it's like a set time box. So even like maybe if it was like you have a ch- one challenge every three innings. Yeah. And I think there are like actually more rules to replay review in baseball but I don't really think anyone actually knows a lot of them. Cause it I think it's just like go with the basic ones of like yeah. you have a challenge and after seven, everyone gets as many challenges as they want. Basically because like MLB didn't get replay review until 2014. That's not very long to have replay review. And I swear they change like little aspects to it every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and NHL's still figuring out their replay. Sorry. I got a little <laughs> off on that. <laughs> I feel like that's the point of this. Like, we only have five questions for each other, but like, we'll go on tangent. <laughs> okay, so mine is kind of similar to our tangent. Um, so, most unnecessary rule in NHL and what you'd replace it with if you have a replacement. So, I think most people agree that I may have a couple that I like, but most people agree the absolute most unnecessary rule is the stupid skate on the ice rule for um, the for offsides. And I wish that like the viewers could see this because I'm going to do a demo here right now. <laughs> going to stand back so Morgan can see. But oh my God, it's like if I'm here and this is the lines in between me, I'm onside. Because my feet, my back foot is down. If your back foot is behind the line and it's down, you're onside. If you're in the same exact position, but your back foot is up for even a millisecond, then you're offsides. And it's like, okay, this, I'm the same position. And so there's some kind of rule of like the plane. Yeah. Like if part of you is behind the plane, then you aren't, then you're onside. And most people like that because it's so insane of how many goals get taken back because a skate left the ice like by an inch for like half a second. And it's like that changed nothing about the goal. The other tangent of that is when an offsides happens five minutes of zone possession passes and then a goal is scored. A lot of people are like, well, did the offsides really have anything to do with the goal? I yeah. can kind of go a little both ways on that because it's like, well, it kind of did because it never would have got in the zone. So I kind of, I'm a little more conflicted about that one, but the skate on the ice one, the other one that there's 
conflict about is the puck over glass rule, which is basically like if you are shooting the puck out of your defensive zone and it goes over the glass clean without like hitting a player, hitting the glass, and this is not including the bench. It can go into the bench because there's no real glass there, but if it goes over that glass into the stands, then it's delay of game. And it comes from a very good intention. And the idea being is that if you have no control of the puck, but it's just right there and you have no time and no one around you, then you're just going to fire it out and hit it over the glass because there's no, like, you just want to get it out. And a lot of times this will happen on a power play. Like, let's just get it out. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. But then if you throw it out, then it's basically like a delay tactic. And so that's a penalty. But then a lot of times what you get is like, it comes off the, the puck was like going to the guy's stick kind of funky. And so then it's like wobbling and stuff. And so then when they hit it, it's not hitting the air clean and then it goes over the glass. It doesn't bother me the most. It kind of does suck every now and again. Yeah. The offsides rule is the most obnoxious, but there's some other ones that are a little. The tedious. funny thing about the offsides rule is I think it worked in favor of a Sagan goal this year, but mm-hmm. I think went against one of Jamie Benn's goals, which for some reason I feel like would have actually been like his 300th goal or something like that. Yeah, I think I remember his 300th goal got like called back or something. It got called back and then was given and then called back. And like he even told the reps, like, I did not touch that puck. And they were adamant that he did, so they gave it to him, but he doesn't count it. It's so random. But the one thing I will say is it's it's pretty something for me to say that because in the Stanley Cup final against Nashville, we definitely got a goal overturned for offsides that really should not have been. <laughs> But by the letter of the law, was offsides. <laughs> yeah. But, but and if if you want to like the history of offsides in the um, NHL, Colorado, Colorado, the source of all fun, Matt Duchesne, who now plays for Nashville, when he was playing for Colorado against Nashville, scored this goal where he was offside by like ten feet. Like, you didn't need the, like, zoom-in grainy yeah. camera to see that he was offside. Any boat, like, like people stopped playing. Like, <laughs> half his teammates stopped playing because they knew he was offside. He knew he was offside. Everyone knew. But the, the linesman just, like, safe. And he scored a goal, and there was no replay. So it was like, oh, it's a goal. And no one could overturn it, even though it was the most insane goal. It was a regular season goal, so, like, it wasn't the biggest deal ever. But it was just so egregious that they're like, okay, we need challenges. Then it goes the other way, where we're so picky. Yeah. And that's the conundrum of replay. (laughs) Because, like, MLB has that, too, with the base, especially, like, home plate, of, like, hovering over the base versus touching the base and all of that and it's like okay but do you want that or do you want like the really obvious thing to get wrong and there's all of those debates so fun stuff fun (laughs) fun stuff okay my next one I think is like a common baseball question but I've never really asked you this so I'm curious what is your opinion on whether or not steroid users should be allowed in the hall of fame oh (laughs) It's funny because I've always always avoided that whole <laughs> argument because I don't really know if I 
care that much about it. Like, that sounds so dumb, but, like, I don't, because I, I didn't, I wasn't watching baseball during the whole steroid era, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like it's that big of an issue now. Um, and I think it kind of goes back to a conversation we had when we were talking about the Astros. Like, you still have to be able to hit the ball. Like, you can take all the steroids you want, but you still have to have, like, the talent to back it up. Whereas, like, sign stealing, like, anyone can steal a sign and know what's coming. And that's – I was just actually going to compare it to the Astros. I think the difference is, in that era, so, so many people were using steroids. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, not everyone was, and that's not, like, that's not ideal. But also, okay, Barry Bonds, I think, is the best example. Mm-hmm pre-steroids was still a really good baseball player and like you said could still hit the ball and just was like better with steroids but it was almost I have this talk with my mom it's like is a rule really a rule if there's no enforcement it's kind of like the challenge thing in in baseball if it's technically the umps can decline it but they never do well is that not really even a rule right so it's like go ahead part of me is kind of like so many players were using steroids then that it almost kind of evened the playing field. Like, whereas, like, now, if, like, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, like, let's say they were the ones who used steroids, I think it would, might be obvious, but also they're so good that you'd kind of be like, well, maybe this is just, like, their window of just being excellent. And then if you found out years later, I think then you'd be like, I don't know if they should be in the Hall of Fame because, yeah, they were good, but then they just kind of took advantage of a situation but like well yeah it's like if the astros if everyone was doing this whole elaborate sign stealing thing then you'd be like well they were the ones who got caught but like everyone was doing it so like does that really invalidate the world series because they were still the best amongst a bunch of cheaters but it's like they were the only ones right like that clearly gave them an unfair advantage exactly like if if the nationals had the exact same elaborate or I guess it was during the Dodgers if the Dodgers had the exact same elaborate sign stealing that the Astros did then it's kind of like okay they were on even playing ground then the Astros won fair and square but they clearly didn't so I think that's where I'm at like I'm kind of like okay well if you steroids and you were good before the steroids like it just enhanced it I don't really it does it doesn't seem as big of a deal of cheating as the sign stealing and the elaborate ruse to do that I think also and again I think it also goes back to how many people were using it Mm -hmm. like A-Rod got a year and a half suspension because he was like the only person one of like a very small amount of people using it and it was kind of kind of obvious it's like he's a good player but like I mean if you're the Yankees it's gonna you're gonna get like investigated because they're just a well-known team people are paying attention to them so I think like the steroids era players yeah why not put them in the hall of fame if they had a hall of fame career I think maybe be more skeptical which doesn't really sound fair like you're gonna let one steroids in and not the other but enforcement thing like they knew it was enforced all the people who got caught in that lab scandal yeah it's like all of them knew that it was enforced yeah I think the context of the season and like the sport at the time should be held 
into like accountable for that as well. But then you also have the people who are voting for Hall of Fame that are like, well, they're a terrible human, but they were great baseball players, so let's put them in the hall. Whereas like, um, yeah, I get it's baseball, but like, sorry, I don't want a racist in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Looking at you, Kurt Schilling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I it it's definitely like an ethicsy question, not a baseball like and it's like there's thing, no clear people like to make it seem like the Hall of Fame is if you do this, 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 and this, then you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And it's not that. Like it's such a nebulous kind of thing also the voting for it sucks like you have to get a certain amount of votes to stay on the ballot and if you don't get enough like your first round then sucks for you you're never on the ballot again so there's just a lot of hall of fame voting that should be more of an issue than like oh this guy used steroids when everyone else was using steroids can't put him in there my mom is still really, if you ever want to get my mom talking, talk about Ron Santo in the Hall of Fame, because they refuse to vote him in. They would never vote him in. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. He dies, and then he gets in. It's like, well, well now he can't enjoy it, because he's right. dead. And it's like, why is there a death bump? That doesn't make any sense. So, oh, man. Yeah. That was my, my mom's baseball rant. I just gave for her on her behalf. Perfect. Okay, so my next one, maybe an easy one. I don't know. It feels kind of easy, but also maybe not. Top three favorite jerseys. Ooh, this is a good one. Can't, I'm not going to say the Penguins. I don't even like it that much. <laughs> um, I really like the Habs because it's kind of classic yeah. uh, for the Canadians. Um, same with like the Leafs. I feel like that's pretty classic. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, like that color blue. Yeah, I feel like it's really tempting to say all of the like original six, but low key one that I like is uh, the Hurricanes with not with the logo, but they have canes sideways. I like oh, that. Yeah. The Penguins used to have a jersey just like that with the Penguins diagonal, and mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, and then I also do appreciate their throwback Hartford Whalers jerseys. Yes. So low-key, real big into all <laughs> that the Carolina Hurricanes. Just love the Carolina Hurricanes yeah. in general. Um, was that three? I think I see what you said three, right? Yeah. So we'll go you with You can name things. more if you want. I'm like thinking of ones because like... Um, it's our podcast. We can do whatever yeah, we, we want. Yeah, we can do whatever we want because like... Um, the lightning Loki, I don't know why I like theirs, but like theirs kind of interests yeah. me. I like the Coyotes Pacina jerseys. I don't like any of their other jerseys, but like that's cool. Vegas is really unique. <laughs> like the white gloves on the road. It looks a little Michelin Manny, but I'm kind of into it. Uh, the gray is actually kind of modern. I like that they went for full on like we're a new team. So like we're yeah. going to make a logo and a design that looks like it was made in like 2017 because it was. I really hope Seattle has, like, fun colors. Yeah. I like, I, I hope so, too. I, I don't want, like, we don't need any more blue, red, and white. Or black and yellow. Yeah. And I say this as a fan of a team with this black <laughs> and yellow, but we have enough of that. Yeah. I want, like, purple needs to be utilized more. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. Yeah, okay, so they should not do the Mariners colors, because no. Yeah. Like, they can do their own thing. Because that's, like, the Penguins used to be this baby blue and white, which was not cute, but it was their own thing. And then they're like, well, all of Pittsburgh is black and yellow. So, like. Yeah. 
Yeah. So unoriginal. Yeah. I still like it. I still wear the stuff, but <laughs> that's that. Um, so this is kind of a, you might need to think about this one a little bit. Um, and if not, I can ask you the fourth one and give you this one to think about. But <laughs> what do you think is the most underappreciated aspect of baseball? Or something that's like crapped on that you think is actually okay and a good thing? Because, like, I don't think we can come back to this one, but like, I don't think yeah. bat flips are underappreciated. There's just a certain crowd that's cranky about it, but I think it is appreciated by a good number of people. But I think there has to be something that's like, I think, and this might be a stupid answer, but I think, like, like, my first thought was walks, mm -hmm. and, like, because I, so, for a while there, Joey Gallo got criticized, because he only hit, like, home runs, like, people were like, he can't hit singles, which, like, if you're hitting home runs, who really cares if you're hitting a single? also go to first base on a home run <laughs> right and so like and then last year like he was hitting way more across the board which was fine but also like a home run guarantees a run a single doesn't so but I feel like walks are underappreciated which as I'm saying I'm like this sounds so stupid but like Joey Votto with the Reds like he is I think lead off for them like most of the time and he almost always walks and so I think like okay with walks like on base percentage in general mm -hmm. everyone still looks at average which it, it who cares about average but like sure you would probably rather a, a player would probably maybe rather a double than a walk because it does their average but like a walk you're still on base you can technically still get score someone on a walk if they're on third base and I don't even know if this is like my true no. argument but like it makes perfect sense but like because I, I I think the reasoning is because walks show more patience mm -hmm. And there are way more strikeouts now in the game, which personally, I don't, I don't really care if it's a strikeout or a flyout, whatever, but I do understand that there are certain players that will swing at anything and strike out, and it's very frustrating. Um, like, Rugnet Odor was really frustrating to watch last year. Even in, for the Cubs. Yeah, the it it gets frustrating to watch because you're like, you're just swinging at three pitches and moving on. You're not being patient. Whereas like Shinsu Chu is a super patient, can very clearly read pitches and he walks quite a bit. And especially like players who are base stealers getting a walk, you have, that might as well be a double for you. Mm -hmm. um, Billy Hamilton types. Yeah. So I, I, I guess patience would be underrated well, and here's because here's the thing about that we were just talking about umps versus like computer strike zone mm -hmm. and think of all the advantages umps have they're like staring straight on instead of being mm -hmm. off to the side they don't have to decide early they get to see the pitch all the way in and they still screw it up yeah. so much so if a player is really good and making those determinations yeah. from not the ideal angle and having to decide kind of before and it could curve and do a lot of things and they still get a lot of walks then like 
they're showing an elite level of vision, which yeah. you hire umps based on their vision. And so it's like to be better than an ump is a thing. Yeah. And I obviously, I think in any line of work, you get frustrated with your work and you just want to be done with it. So you don't have your patience with it. But like, I think the players who have consistent walk, high walk numbers throughout a 162 game season, like, it, it just shows their focus and their ability to kind of like shut everything out. Not that I'm like, I don't want to harp on Rugnet Odor because I love the kid, but like, I think obviously it's a mindset, but like, just patience at the plate in general is such an undervalued thing because I feel like players today don't really have that it's it almost feels like a home run or strikeout mentality like okay I'm not gonna get a home run I might as well strike out well and this is something that I think is a reality of a lot of sports because it's an athletic endeavor and Mm -hmm. an entertainment thing that people are so into like being flashy and working out and getting swole if you will like all that kind of stuff and it does take a lot of work and a lot of like brain training to like see pitches or like scouting reports and all of those kind of things and so it's not great it's not the rewarding stuff and it can be to an athlete kind of boring to just like sit and watch things and analyze things so to players that do that it's like like said, it's underappreciated. That's the yeah. whole question. So I think this is the perfect answer. I was thinking that was going to be a tough one, so I'm really impressed with that. Oh, it felt tough, though. <laughs> but you pulled that out. That was awesome. Okay, we're on question four. four. Yeah. Um, so if you could work for any team, I didn't want to just assume Penguins, mm-hmm. but if you could work for any team, what position would you want? Like front office, coaching staff? be a player if I could be a player that would be really cool (laughs) but since I know I can't do that like the thing and also I'm weight like injury not my thing yeah Um, concussions very not my thing Mm -hmm. I think it would be interesting to either intern I want to intern first and like learn how to do either for like a video coach or like the analytics department probably even the analytics department because I've always in the kind of work that I do, I've always found analytics interesting and I just haven't studied enough at it of like yeah. pulling insights because I've, I've done some like high level classes about like what analytics are and basically analytics are answering like, these really open-ended questions that you don't even like know what the question is almost that you're answering. Yeah. So like, how can we be better? Well, you almost don't even know what to look at. So you're just pulling all of these stats in and then just like running it through a lot of regression models that can like pull a bunch of big data and shoot out of like hey this is important so like the shift in baseball as an example like it wasn't that someone was like oh I wonder what these different positions or whatever it was that something probably spat out that like players hit in certain areas like certain players hit certain areas like based on which way they bat so consistently and they're like, oh, so if we put players there and stuff like that. And so they didn't even necessarily know what they were asking. And they find answers like that. And so I think it's like fascinating. To, it would be fascinating to learn how to do that. And it could be so applicable to like any sport. 
Yeah. And I would just really love to, and it sounds really nerdy, but it's like <laughs> the future of everything. Yeah. And it's how a lot of teams are picking their players, picking their coaches. It's how coaches are making their schemes and all of that kind of stuff. And so like, I would love to be the person because analytics still cannot really crack goaltending. And I would love to be the person who could figure that out. That's a really good answer. Thank you. <laughs> so I nerd about this stuff because I learn about statistics, yeah. but I don't know how to come up with them on my own. And that's like what the analytics people can do. So let me find. So I thought this was interesting because, so y'all know I'm from the Omaha area and Omaha, is, except this year because COVID, is the host of the College World Series. Mm -hmm. And there's one enormous difference between college and professional baseball and that is metal bats so I know would obviously they don't have that in MLB would you ever want to have that or do you think wooden bats um so my first thought was like from a safety standpoint no just because I mean these players are hitting the ball so hard and you already have people who are like anti-netting which is stupid um, I think it would be fun in, like, if you had, like, batting practice with metal bats, just to, like, almost like a home run derby type thing, but an empty stadium. There's an idea. Metal bats for the home run derby. That would be, could you imagine? You just, you just, just, you solved it. <laughs> you just solved the home run derby. First of all. I kind of like the sound of like a metal bat and a baseball. So I would love that. Second of all, Joey Gallo would like absolutely hit a ball out of the park literally. And I would just die because it'd be so amazing to watch. But I feel like you'd have to do it in an empty stadium because oh, all sorts totally. teams have usually their kids on the field to like catch the ones that don't actually go out. And I don't think you'd want any human <laughs> to be near like Joey Gallo or like the other home run hitters with a metal bat. Or you'd have to put, like, nets around, like, no one in the field, and then just put nets around yeah. everything. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think they'd ever use it in, like, regular games. I do. I love, I did not know that was going to go in that direction, but the home run derby. <laughs> I've tried watching the home run derby a time or two, and the thing that loses it is you'll hit a string of a few players who just don't do well for whatever reason. And you can kind of tell about, like, 20 seconds in, like, this is just not happening for them. And it just, like, the whole air gets sucked out. Whereas I feel if the metal bat, the chances of that happening are a lot less. Yeah. Like, a lot of players are going to hit a lot more. And so it's just more action. So I have, like, a lot of thoughts on the Home Run Derby because I hate the Home Run Derby, which I feel like is, like, a sin. Like, as a baseball fan, like, you should love – I hate the, base, the Home Run Derby. Mm -hmm. I hate – like, honestly – I hate so much about it. Like, first of all, the announcers that are so shocked by every home run. I'm like, this back, is back, what back. You, if I never have to hear that again. And it's all like, this is exactly what you expected. It's the home run derby. You cannot be surprised by every home run. I also hate all the rules now for it. Yeah. Um, they, they've done a bracket system, which what I think was pace of play issue again. I hate it because you get, like, some really good home run hitters out really quickly and you see them, like, in one round. I also hate the rule that, like, 
they can't throw the next pitch until that ball lands. Like, that's just a dumb rule. Just let them keep pitching, and the camera will keep up with the ones pace that land. Pace of play! It's, they literally <laughs> did pace of play, but in opposite directions of for a home run derby. It just makes no sense. And, like, my other issue is, like, we're never going to really see a lot of the great home run hitters do it because there's theories that it affects their swing and then they have a poor second half of the season and da 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 but like yeah it, it, there's so many ways it could be better and that one was that they didn't have to change it to a bracket system and metal bats <laughs> metal bats because then maybe they wouldn't always feel like they literally have to swing to the, for the fences because yeah. they have so much power just in the metal bat yeah so it also could help save players maybe a little Also, bit. The, they have a timer for it now, too. I don't even remember all the new, like, pace of play things they did with it, but there's some kind of timer with it, too, and I can't remember if I do or don't like that. <laughs> so since we're going off on tangents, this is the tangent yes. episode. And there's the title right there. This is the tangent <laughs> episode. Um, but since we're doing that, all-star games, as a general rule, I, I need to be in the room with all of these people when they make them. If you try to explain, like, you need to bring someone in, and they can know hockey or they can know baseball, but they can't have been involved in the discussions, and you need to try to explain to them in, like, one minute the rule of whatever game or competition you're doing or, like, the, you're changing the rules for. And if their eyes gloss over and they look so confused, <laughs> scrap it. It's too confusing. All-star games, you need to make them simple so like the NHL did the, and I really liked that they were experimenting this year but they did the thing with like where they shoot from the stands and like they try to hit the difference yeah. but the point system was random as heck and like it was just so hard and then like you should have explained this to someone and they'll be like okay well this one you hit on the fly and this one you don't hit on the fly and this one this be like, stop right there no <laughs> just no and, like, they should have had Dude Perfect come up with the rules for that one. It would have yeah. been so much easier. <laughs> because I feel like, A, that's where they got the idea from. Oh, totally. And they made a huge deal out of it. And then I was watching it. I was like, I'm bored as heck at this. It Because there was, like, no one – the players didn't even know. Like, yeah. where all the targets were and what everything made sense. And so that's where I'm like, some of these things, fastest skater. Everyone skates a lap. And the fastest skater wins. <laughs> wow. Like, so difficult. And the only complexity of that is if you fall down, you can do a reskate. Yeah. I can explain so, that in under 30 seconds and everyone right. gets it. Because um, I, I do like that. Um, see, and I don't really watch that many. I don't watch, like, NBA, so I don't know what their all-star game is like. But I think they have, like um, – they have a three-point contest. Yeah, and they have, like, a dunk competition. Like, mm -hmm. I like that both hockey and NBA have, like, a day where it's, like – They call it the know, skills competition. Yeah, skills – that's what it was, skills competition. Whereas, like, MLB just has the home run derby. I feel like the first time I ever watched the NHL um, skills competitions, I was literally making comparisons on Twitter to, like, what MLB could do. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? I don't want just home run derby. Like, you could do fastest runner. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many – you could do, like, um, like pitching accuracy or whatever, something like that. It's just – This is another thing that someone pitched for the NHL because the AHL, someone who got invited to the AHL All-Star game had the har har a harder shot than the winner of the harder shot in the NHL yeah. competition. And they're like, it's because the people they assigned to the competitions – 
are just the people from the all-stars who they think would be best for the different competitions. Yeah. And a lot of times for fastest skater, well, like Connor McDavid, he got beat this year, but he's universally regarded as probably one of the, the fastest skater in the NHL. And if he's not the fastest, another fa- person who's an all-star is probably the fastest. But still, Paul Byron, never going to get invited to the all-star game. Super fast. Yeah. So, like, they were saying, why can't you invite people to the skills competition who aren't all-stars, but who have one specific skill, and that's what you're trying to highlight? Yeah. So, yeah, like, that would with be the good. fastest runner. So, like, okay, like, I always think of Billy Hamilton. Well, if he's not yeah. an all-star, why can't you just have him? Because it's really yeah. interesting to watch him run. Yeah, like, just make the skills competition as part of All-Star Weekend, but just, they don't have to be all-stars. Well, I guess technically they would be all-stars in that skill. Mm-hmm. So you could sell it that way. Okay, and also, just thinking about this all-star competition, you know Atlanta, I think it is, has that, like, freeze thing where they run around behind the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to, to just adopt that for the all-star game somehow. Because yeah. everyone loves that. Yeah. Everyone yeah. loves that. So, something like that. That's, <laughs> MLB can work on that. <laughs> is so it my... I'm asking you, right? Yeah, because I asked okay. about metal bats. This all started because okay. we were asking about metal bats. <laughs> okay, so my question is, what hockey book, documentary, and or podcast could be one of those or all three? Um, would you recommend to anyone who's like starting to get into hockey? So, starting to get into hockey. Don't... I'm sure you might have already watched the Mighty Ducks. Don't think that that is hockey. Um, Miracle's always a good one if you want to see kind mm-hmm. of the, like, character of hockey and stuff like that. Like, I think that's a really good one for that. Podcast, spin chicklets can be good because you get to see the personality of players, which you don't always get to see anywhere else. And getting to see that, I feel like you feel more invested because you know these players a little more. So like Keith Yandel is like one of their most common guests and he is absolutely hysterical, but you never knew that before he was on this podcast. And so you watch the him play now and you're like, Oh, I want to watch him because he's so funny. But, and like he and Kevin Hayes who were two of the most common guests mm-hmm. on that show got were like the two highest vote getters, I think for the funniest player. And it's solely because of that. So I feel like if you want to get into the personality of that, but it can also give you like a bro centric vibe to hockey, which is not that. And it's not even those players on the show because sometimes they'll have like really interesting players who talk about like they had Patrick O'Sullivan, whose dad famously like beat him growing up and he talked about it and he wrote a book about it. And they talked a lot about that stuff. And like they did talk about Black Lives Matter. And so they'll have episodes like that. But it's so, like, their interview can, they're, because they're not professional journalists, their interviews can get very broy. And so I just caution against that. I would almost say, like, ask a hockey fan, you know, to be like, oh, yeah, these episodes. Yeah, or, like, cause it, focus on the interviews, because they tend not to get into, like, random, weird, disgusting shit in their interviews. Because it is a barstool sports yeah. podcast, it does. Yeah. It kind of ebbs and flows. There's like some sex stories and stuff. And it's not like, like, I wouldn't say that show is misogynistic in any way, but it just gets very raunchy. Yeah. Uh, 
and it's just not because like conversely I was really impressed I was kind of curious what they would have to say about that Brendan Leipzig and his comment and it was actually really good to hear them talk about it because you're like as a girl you don't always know like okay like what are dudes like and all that and yeah they were like if any of my teammates ever talked about another teammate or another player or anyone anyone's wife the yeah. way that guy talked about someone's wife like every player in the room would like get out like yeah. now just leave and and we'd go to the gym and be like you actually like I can't play with this person because it's just so like they can't relate to that as a human like yeah like this gal's this guy's wife just gave birth yeah and it's like holding their baby at the game and you say that like and so it was very interesting to hear them say it from their perspective and their tone because it kind of was like okay so like hockey locker rooms are different like they are improving there is like some kind of line that they are putting in yeah. And so in some ways, in some circumstances, it can be really good. But then sometimes they just get on these stupid things. And also they talk about golf. And I always have to fast forward that because <laughs> golf is just very not my thing. Yeah. But agreed. so I think that's like the one that you're going to hear a lot is like interesting. But um, Sean Fitzgerald writes some really interesting books. I haven't read them all, but he did some interviews on the Steve Dango podcast that are fascinating. So one of his... Um, he did a book about players who only ever played one game in the NHL, unlike their stories. That's so cool. And it's really fascinating. And then um, he did a book about an OHL, so Ontario Hockey League, which is like 16-year-olds in a town. And the thing you don't realize about the OHL is like Connor McDavid played in the OHL, but then a bunch of these people are never going to play beyond the OHL. Yeah. And what that's like and like trying to save a game and the, like preserve hockey because of some of the problems in hockey and the expense of it and all of that. And so it's kind of an interesting look at like nuanced look at benefits and drawbacks to hockey. So he's a writer that's really interested. And then of course the athletic subscribe to the athletic because they have some really interesting stories mm-hmm. and that they also do get some like really personal stories like Devin Dubnik of the wild and what he went through this year and um I think Sean Shapiro had the one about Stephen Johns yeah and those things are always very fascinating and interesting and they really do because of the freedom the athletic provides mm-hmm. to its riders, you get some really interesting, like, layers to stories that are long form. And then they always do a player's poll. But then instead of just having a player's poll, favorite question is least favorite uh, ref. It's hilarious. But then they do individual team polls too, the riders do. And so you'll get some really interesting questions, random questions. And it's, it's just fun so that's where I get some of my stories I I get mm-hmm. on here some like random athletic articles so can't go wrong subscribing to the athletic so I think it's the very very last question let's see what I got my phone keeps like locking you know <laughs> sorry oh I thought this would be a good one to end it on and I thought it might be something you at least have some ideas on what are three things that MLB can do for the long-term health of the league Oh, um, 
pay their minor leaguers. Hmm. Um, I think like investing in like like around each team as far as like I know a lot of teams have like their own like little league um not camps but like like I know the Rangers have little league fields and um like association type Mm -hmm. things for kids um but kind of like how you're talking about with hockey like every kid that grows up to be a college baseball player isn't going to end up in the majors but we have a lot of minor leagues and if they're paid right that could really grow the game I mean minor minor league baseball is so different than of a experience than major league Mm -hmm. I, I would recommend going to a minor league game although they're not playing this year so next year try and go to it this is kind of the thing where it's like high school baseball or college baseball or minor league baseball or in way more cities than the MLB could ever be in. Yeah. But if you get people going to those games and interested in those games, then they're likely going to seek out the MLB. So investing yeah. in those things pays off in the big Because league. also it's so exciting if you go to the minor league team that's like 20 minutes from your house and you see those players and then one of them makes it to the MLB. That's like so uh-huh. exciting. You saw them when they were just kids essentially playing um third one I feel like and this is more so for the players and like fans but beneficial to the league because I know NHL I think does something like it but like have like some kind of like mental health like thing for the players so I think first of all they gotta get better because that Tyler Skaggs thing about not being yes. drug dealers for their patients or for their players because that's not a good thing yeah but then the nhl it, it happened because they had like three players who committed suicide within like months of each other mm-hmm. and i think at least two of them maybe all three were like enforcers but there's differing opinions on that but the idea being of how much substance abuse and concussions and all of that can impact the player's mental health yeah. And so Bobby Ryan this year entered the program, but he was talking about, he's like, if I did that in the off season, my team wouldn't know. The media wouldn't know. No one would know. The only reason anyone even knew is because it was during the season and the league has it that way. So there might be players who have been through the program that you never know have been through the program. Yeah. But then even the players who go through the program during the season and have to miss the games, there's a one sentence press release. that's like, so-and-so is indefinitely not playing with the team while they're in the uh, player assistance program. No other comments. And they truly will not comment. And it's up to the player to talk about it or not. So, like, I know Michael Haley at the time, I believe, was at the Florida Panthers, but might be with San Jose now, entered the program and has never spoken about why he was in the program or what it meant or anything. And that is totally their right. Yeah. Um. Because, like, instantly I was thinking about the Skaggs mm-hmm. thing. Um, but also, like, because, like, another reason that I really love Zach Greinke is when he was with, I don't know if it was with, he, when he was with Kansas or with the Brewers, but early on in his career, he struggled with anxiety 
and I want to say depression, but I know for sure anxiety. And he took like, I don't know if it was a full season, but he stopped playing to kind of like be able to focus on that. And I, I honestly, I haven't looked into like how that affected his contract or what the team did for him, but obviously he came back and still was able to pitch and play. And he's been like kind of the only one to talk about that. And not that I'm saying that anyone who has anxiety needs to tell the whole world um, because it's a very personal thing, but there, it it just seems like they don't have an importance, like MLB as a whole doesn't put an importance on mental health, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to talk about Josh Hamilton because he's a garbage human, but It feels like, and I'm sure other teams are like this too, but obviously I follow the Rangers, so I'm more focused on that. Um, He he was well known for having a drug problem, and the Rangers kind of helped him out. It's kind of like, you can play for us, we'll help you stay sober, we'll do whatever we can um, as a team. Uh, And then in 2013, he went to the Angels. I think he played there for two seasons and then had a relapse. And they kind of just wanted to be done with him. Like, they were just going to drop. Like, they just wanted to get – it was a monster contract. They just kind of was like, well, he's not going to play for us, and he's relapsing, and we don't want – and they handled it poorly, and the Rangers were like, you handle his contract, we'll take him, because we know he can thrive here, and he can do better. Um, And that's, like, the the example I think of when I think of, like, all teams need to be like that, and drugs isn't necessarily – fully mental health thing, but playing 162 games a season has to weigh a lot on your mind. And I know even like last year, one of the Rangers, Danny Santana, said that he saw a psychiatrist or some a therapist, something along those lines. And like, that just really like helped his mindset on like, because he wasn't playing so well that like, it really affected him mentally. And like, talking to someone about that just really just helped him not be so hard on himself and I feel like that would be something like if because I and I think the Dodgers maybe I'm going on so many tangents I think the Dodgers have a um like a association or a program or something that's about mental health if I'm remembering correctly um but I think it would be cool to see MLB have a program like that for their team because also I think they could like use it to their advantage as far as promoting like mental health to fans um because like we talked about earlier it's very much everyone puts emphasis on the physical of baseball not the mental and a lot of it's mental and this is actually now that you talk about it another thing to point out about like an interesting interview on spit and chicklets if you're looking for not like funny or something I mean there are some funny moments in it but a really interesting aspect they went to Nova Scotia and interviewed Nathan McKinnon and he was talking about and he gave us some examples and kind of funny ways of how he's really a hothead and gets angry and stuff but he tends to like dwell on things and Mm -hmm. so he had he won the Calder who was the rookie of the year and his team made the playoffs his rookie year and then he kind of didn't play as well and his team was fairly garbage for a while um and he was like the first overall pick he's like am I destined to just be like a good but not great player like what's going on and all of that and he actually got a sports psychologist 
and it was like on staying present and not dwelling and like kind of channeling and like not completely ignoring the anger because it's a part of who he is but not like letting it consume him so much and all of that and I think that's an important thing to know because then he his team did make the playoffs and he was like the second place finisher for the MVP and a lot of people thought should have been the MVP and is like widely regarded as a top five player right now and it wasn't that way for the longest time and I think sports psychology is something that's used but a lot of teams don't want to talk about that they use that and it's not even like that all of their players have mental illness and this is something that I'm a super huge advocate for I think everyone should just at least like give therapy a try because I think, and even if it's like you only go twice a year or something, just as like a check-in and stuff, having someone who isn't in your day-to-day life, who doesn't like super know you as like a friend or any kind of anything, coworker, hear and ask you questions and give you some feedback in some direction is so beneficial and they're professionally trained and stuff like that. And I think having that, normalized in sports is so huge because that's a lot of a lot of the people who resist that kind of stuff are also people who like sports not trying to stereotype but like there's some there's some connective tissue between those things so I think it would be interesting to to see more teams talk about that yeah so that was actually a really cool way to end it because like we (laughs) had a lot of fun like imagining things but then also like some serious stuff yeah this is like, this is super fun. I had a, I had a blast. So, um, again, no clue what we're going to talk about, but by next week, the training camps will have started for the NHL and we're like close to baseball being back and we have to do rant and rave. And I totally forgot about that, but that's okay. <laughs> I saw you go like this and I was like, Oh, rant and rave. So I have to think of my rant clearly. Okay. Um, but um, you can go ahead. I have my rant. I've had my rant all week. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably know what my rant is going to be. And oh, yeah. Guys, I'm excited facts. for this. Facts are facts are facts are facts. And if you're going to say something as a fact, if someone's asking for, like, where you got that fact from, it's not necessarily disrespectful or rude or starting an argument. Guys, we've literally had to prove ourselves in like school like when you wrote essays you had to prove where you got that information from like even after like I always remember like state testing for reading they answer the questions and then you had to go find in the the book where where you got that support for your answer like it's like the journalist in me it's just like if you're gonna say something as fact and you can't provide a link that that is unbiased or as unbiased as News is oh, everyone has a bias, links. but yeah, multiple links. If I can't Google it and find the same information you're telling me, then it's probably not a reliable source. If multiple outlets, not guys, news does not in, begin and end with CNN and Fox News. I'm sure everyone listening to this knows that, but I'm just you know for the newer, new people, local journalism is your friend. Follow it pay for it it's nice you will find so much information but like if you're gonna say something and it's like some and you're gonna say it as fact i'm not saying like 
if someone says that they love chocolate ice cream, you don't have to prove it. I'm not meaning like prove those kind of that. Prove opinions. You don't have yeah. to prove opinions. Yeah. It, but like, if you're going to say, for instance, if you're going to say like the CDC is downgrading the um, coronavirus to non-epidemic status, if I go Google that and can't find a direct link to the CDC saying that, or any news outlet, uh, reputable news outlet reporting that same thing, then that's probably not true. Also, read a full article, not just the headline, because if you get a headline that says something like that, and then you read the article, the article's not going to be the same thing as a headline. They read one quote and then jumped to that headline. And this is like personal experience this week, so that's why I'm very like pent up about it. Um, and by like unbiased, I mean if at the end of an article it says that they are a conservative news organization, that's not unbiased. That is very clearly biased and they're telling you it. Um, so well, just, and honestly, it's so crazy because people say like, oh, Wikipedia is not a good source, which the contents of Wikipedia, yes, anyone can edit it, yes. but Wikipedia has editors and part of theirs is that it has to be sourced with like a credible source and they define yes. what a credible source is. If your thing would get deleted off of Wikipedia as an uncredible source, don't send it to me. If you're going to state something and someone asks you to support that statement, you shouldn't be offended by that, A. You also shouldn't see it as an argument. Someone's just literally, literally asking you where you got your information because maybe they want to know the same thing you know. Like, if someone says something, then I'm going to be like, well, maybe I should look into that. I want to know if that's true or not, too. Like, don't unfriend or block people just because they're questioning where you got your information. It's literally just an inquiry. They just want to know. And also part of this, I know part of the emphasis of this, please don't start conspiracies about me on Twitter. Because <laughs> that may have happened this week. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not leading a hate campaign against anyone. If you're gonna say a fact and then someone says, hey, how do you know that? And you can't say, it, you can't even provide a link for it, like not even to a biased website, not even pulled that. It, pulled it from thin air. Like, okay, I'm, I'm done with my rant. <laughs> that was fun, though. I had fun with that one. <laughs> that might be my rant, too. No, I don't know. Um, so, my rant is on partly to athletes and partly to the people covering them because there was some stuff with the NBA this week and one thing I think deserved criticism and one thing didn't and I feel like they kind of got a little lumped in together so the NBA is not feeding their players particularly well like you look at some of the crap they're being served and it's like um this is deli meat on like processed white bread like can we maybe not give something that you'd find in a lunchable like, these are professional athletes. Can we maybe give them actual fuel? Like, who would have thought that? <laughs> so, like, and they're having, and it's like, oh, well, they can afford it. They can buy. It's like, you're isolating them from their family and, do, like, doing all this, and you can't even right? give them, like, baked chicken. Like, that's not expensive. We're not asking for, like, crab. We're asking for, like, 
decently healthy, like yeah. real hot food. Like it, it doesn't all have to be like deli sandwiches. I thought that was a fair criticism. Now, Rajon Rondo posting a picture and saying Motel 6 for something that realistically looked like you'd find it in a Westin or a Hilton or whatever. Okay, come on, dude. Like, clearly you've never been in a Motel 6, but like, also read the room. You're a multimillionaire. No one who follows you probably is, or maybe like five people who follow you are. So maybe like, don't do that. Because like, you look at his room and it's like, that looks like your like $100 a night hotel room. Like, what's wrong with that? It's yeah. not your sketchy hotel room. Like, right sorry like that's perfectly fine like you're not being tortured <laughs> and so but I feel like all of that got put in together because it was all happening around the same mm-hmm. time and that annoyed me too because it's like let's evaluate these on their own merits and they are different merits but if you ever wanted to see something funny look at that MLS menu from a while ago where it was like 65 or 75 dollars and it was like Virginia ham and all of this and it was a ham sandwich <laughs> like <laughs> It didn't even look good. It was like, this isn't worth $15. How are we paying this much money? So yeah, that was, that, those are some fun times. Some of this quarantine bubble stuff has been entertaining and also frustrating. Yeah. So rave. Do you have a rave? My rave. It was so hard to like decide on a rave only because my first thought was Hamilton. And I made that my rave last week, but it, it's literally all I've been singing in my head for a week. Um, But I think I'm going to make it Criminal Minds because I've been binge watching it for, I think, like two weeks now. I'm on like season five towards the end of it. It's what I'm going to go watch right after we finish recording. Um, But like, it's a raid because it's good. Even though there are some parts, I'm like, this is really stupid. But then I have to remind myself, like, the episodes I'm watching are 11 years old. So Mm -hmm. I, I give it a little leeway. But like one of the my my games I play in my head while I'm watching it is like where do I know that person from? Because literally every episode of Criminal Minds has someone that I'm like I know them from something else, and then I have to go check on IMDb where they're from. And it's every episode. Sometimes it's like two or three people in every episode. Yeah. Um, but I really I'm I really enjoy. I like true crime, so of course I like Criminal Minds. It does get dark in the R time. I'm like, oh, why am I watching this? Are you happy I gave you that one morning? Yes, thank God. Um, but it's a good show. Like, also, I love all the characters. Like, sometimes there are shows where I'm like, I don't really like that one character. But this one, like, I legitimately love every character. And it just kind of makes me happy, even though it's a dark, they have dark episodes. Morgan and Garcia. <laughs> yes I everyone's favorite <laughs> oh, I love I literally like the other day I was like I should make a list of my favorite characters and then as I was doing that like it's literally everyone it's everyone um yeah so I just have to say I'm not gonna spoil it but if you watched Criminal Minds you will know the soup episode I did give Morgan a warning about that and I feel like I was a good friend for doing that <laughs> there's an episode in season I think four they're all kind of mushing together that someone warned me about, which thank God, because it included murder and pigs, and that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, like, there's a few of those (laughs) where it's like, I advise being careful about watching Criminal Minds, and if you get into an episode and you're like, 
um, this seems like really messed up and it's like 1030 at night, maybe turn it off and finish yeah. it the next day or start yeah. it over the next day. Because yeah. if you watch it late at night, it can really mess up your Yeah, I kind <laughs> of, I, I bookend it with uh, baking shows. So then it's like something happy. That's a, yeah, that's a good <laughs> idea. So yeah, that's, and actually with the game that you were saying, um, I've been watching through Grey's Anatomy, but I am uh-huh. kind of stalling because it's 16 seasons, which is really long. But in a recent episode I watched, uh, Princess Mia's best friend, Lily. Yes. With like one of the main patients. And I was like, that's Lily. That has to be Lily. And then I look at the bottom and I'm like seeing the, the actors. I'm like, yep, uh-huh. it's Lily. Heather Mater- <laughs> Maserato. I'm like, yep, I know. I know that name. It's a fun game to play. And then like, um, I know this is coming up because I've seen some of the later episodes. Mr. Schuster from Glee. Yes. I haven't watched that season, but I've seen like parts of it. He plays like a horrible human being. Yeah. And And I'm like, that's not, that messes with my mind a little bit. Yeah. I think when like characters have like, are kind of known for one character Mm -hmm. and then they go play in total opposite. It's like, it's real weird. Yeah. Um, I, so a rave I have, it's kind of a weird rave to have, but I have, a lot of people think, and I think there is some truth to some NHL players who maybe didn't want to play, might end up playing just some kind of sacrificial thing, which I don't love that. But what I have loved is this week, um, so some players opted out, and I will say some of the players who opted out, it was very much like, okay, so you're probably going to get on the roster, but we're never going to play, mm-hmm. and you're a long-term vet, and you kind of were like, well, I still get my money, and I don't have the embarrassment of not playing, so I'll just opt out, which is like, that's fine. Like, do whatever you want. They could have been doing it for the health of their family. I have no clue, but it just kind of, it's a little convenient, a couple of the names, but one of the names actually was like a top four defenseman for the Calgary Flames. His name is Travis Hamanick. And I looked up his story and he had to miss some time with his team. I think not this past season we just had, but the season before because his young daughter had like a real serious health scare. And he cited his family as why he was forgoing that. And I think that's really powerful because he's an upcoming unrestricted free agent and he's a really good player so he could really up his value by playing but he is like saying my family is so important to me Mm -hmm. and my daughter can't get this and I just I really love that example and then another example the Penguins first round opponent is Montreal Canadiens and everyone was a little nervous because they one of their better players is Matt Stomey who has type 1 diabetes and so the Canadians, and I thought this is actually a really logical thing because it's not type one diabetes isn't like super clear cut because he is it's really well managed mm-hmm. and he's has a really great routine really on top of it. So it's not super abundantly clear. So what they said is, and the league approved because your decisions have to be in by Monday on whether you're going to, if penalty free, you can by Monday opt in or out. But they're, the league, I believe, agreed to this, and the Canadians and Max all agreed that they're going to wait seven to ten days, and they want to see what the world is like, what the reality of coronavirus is. So then that's pretty close to when the season will actually, the playoffs will start, because it's like, if it's gotten really out of control, or if 
something happens, like we want to be able to evaluate the situation or if they have more information about people with diabetes and COVID, like you don't know what information we have because information is changing all the time. And so I thought that was really good. And I released a statement explaining all of that. And so I've just loved to see some of the responsible things that people are doing. And I hope that that continues. And like, it's been cool to see in the MBA too. And some in the MLB, it's been a little, but I like when people, like obviously players can opt out however they want, but when they have those really good statements, it's kind of the opposite of your rant. It's like they're informed. They're not just saying, oh, I'm a baseball player. I'm going to play or oh, I'm a hockey player. I'm going to play. It's like they're informed on what's going on yep. and communicating that information to a platform that they have is pretty large. And so I think that's really cool. That's a good rave. That's a good way to end it. So <laughs> with that, that was a fun, I had a blast with this. We should that maybe just like have theme question episodes. We'll see what yeah. we do. <laughs> we always come up with something fun, but we will see you all next week after training camp start. And we're even closer to baseball starting allegedly right now, <laughs> as of right now. So we will see you all next week for some more fun. Thank you all. Bye guys. <laughs>